Chapter Thirty of the Untamed by Max Brand. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Manhandling. It was close to sunset time when they reached the old Salton place, where they found Silent sitting on the porch with Haines, Kilduff, Jordan, and Reinhardt. They stood up at the sight of the newcomers and shouted a welcome. Buck waved his hand, but his thoughts were not for them. The music he had heard Dan whistle formed in his throat. It reached his lips, not in sound, but as a smile. At the house he swung from the saddle and shook hands with Jim Silent. The big outlaw retained Buck's fingers. "'You're coming in mighty late,' he growled. "'Didn't you get the signal?' Buck managed to meet the searching eyes. "'I was doing better work for you by staying around the house,' he said. "'How do you mean?' I stayed there to pick up things you might want to know. It wasn't easy. The boys are beginning to suspect me. The cowpunchers is getting so thick around those parts, broke in Purvis, that Buck wouldn't even let me go back to his house with him to get my gun. The keen eyes of Silent never left the face of Daniels. Don't you know that Gus Morris gives us all the news we need, Buck? Reinhardt and Jordan, who were chatting together, stopped to listen. Buck smiled easily. "'I don't no ways doubt that Morris tells you all he knows,' he said. "'But the point is that he don't know everything.' "'How's that?' "'The Rangers is beginning to look sideways and whisper when Morris is around. "'He's played his game with us too long, and the boys are starting to think. "'Thinking is always dangerous.' "'You seem to have been doing some tall thinking yourself,' said Silent dryly. "'You guess the cowpunchers are going on our trail on their own hook?' There ain't no doubt of it. Where'd you hear it? Young Seaton. He's one of them? Yes. I'll remember him. By the way, I see you got a little token of Whistlin' Dan on your arm. He pointed to the bandage on Buck's right forearm. It ain't nothing, said Buck, shrugging his shoulders. The cuts are all healing up. The arm's as good as ever now. Anyway, said Silent, you got something coming to you for the play you made against that devil. He reached into his pocket, drew out several twenty-dollar gold pieces. Money was never scarce with a lone rider, and passed them to Buck. The latter received the coin gingerly, hesitated, and then returned it to the hand of the chief. What the hell's the matter, snarled the big outlaw. Ain't it enough? I don't want no money till I earn it, said Buck. Life's getting too peaceful for you, huh? Grin silent. Speaking of peace, chimed in Purvis, with a liberal wink at the rest of the gang. Buck allows that he's the boy who can bring that dove-o the same into this camp. He says he knows the way to bring the gal over there to see reason. Buck followed the direction of Purvis's eyes and saw Kate sitting on a rock at a little distance from the shanty in which she lived with her father. She made a pitiful figure her chin cupped in her hand, and her eyes staring fixedly down the valley. He was recalled from her by the general laughter of the outlaws. "'You fellas laugh,' he said complacently, "'because you don't know no more about women than a cow knows about pictures.' "'What do you think we should do with her, Solomon?' Buck met the cold blue eyes of Haines. "'Maybe I ain't Solomon,' he admitted genially." but I don't need no million wives to learn all there is to know about women. "'Don't make a fool of yourself, Buck,' said Silent. "'There ain't no way of moving that damn girl. She's gone on a hunger strike, and she'll die in it. 
We can't send her out of the valley. It's hell to have her dying on our hands here, but there ain't no way to make her change her mind. I've tried pleading with her. I've even offered her money. It don't do no good. Think of that. Sure it don't, sneered Buck. Why, you poor bunch of yearling calves, she don't need no coaxing. What she needs is a manhandling. She wants a master. That's what she wants. I suppose, said Haines, you think you're man enough to change her? None of that, broke in silent. Do you really think you could do something with her, Buck? Can I do something with her? repeated Buck scornfully. Why, boys, there ain't nothing I can't do with a woman. Is it because of your pretty face or your winning smile? growled the deep bass of Bill Kilduff. Both, said Buck promptly. The wilder they are, the harder they fall for me. I've had a thirty-year-old maverick eating out of my hand, like she's been trained for it all her life. The educated ones say I'm different. The old maids allow that I'm naive. The pretty ones just say I'm a man. But they spell the word with capital letters. Daniels, you're drunk, said Haines. Am I? It'll take a better man than you to make me sober, Haines. The intervening men jumped back, but the deep voice of Silent rang out like a pistol shot. Don't move for your six guns, or you'll be playing again me. Haines transferred his glare to Silent, but his hand dropped from his gun. Daniels laughed. I ain't no milepost with a hand pointing to trouble, he said gently. All I say is that the girl needs excitement. Life's so damn dull for her that she ain't got no interest in living. If you're fool enough to try, said Silent, go ahead. What are you planning to do? You'll learn by watching, grinned Buck, taking the reins of his horse. I'm going to ask the lady, soft and polite, to step up to her cabin and pile into some ham and eggs. If she don't want to, I'll rough her up a little, and she'll love me for it afterwards. The way she loves a snake, growled Kilduff. By God, silent, said Haines, his face white with emotion. If Buck puts a hand on her, I'll... Act like a man and not like a damn fool, boy, said Silent, dropping a heavy hand on the shoulder of his lieutenant. He won't hurt her none, Lee. I'll answer for that. Come on, Buck. Speaking personal, I wish that calico was in hell. Leading his horse, Buck followed Silent towards the girl. She did not move when they approached. Her eyes still held far down the valley. The steps of the big outlaw were shorter and shorter as they drew close to the girl. Finally he stopped and turned to Buck with a gesture of resignation. Look at her. This is what she's been doing ever since yesterday, Buck. It's up to you to make good. There she is. All right, said Buck. It's about time for you amateurs to exit and leave the stage clear for the big star. Now just step back and take notes on the way I do it. In fifteen minutes by the clock, she'll be eating out of my hand. Silent, expectant but baffled, retired a little. Buck removed his hat and bowed as if he were in a drawing-room. "'Ma'am,' he said, "'I've got the honor of asking you to sidestep up to the shanty with me and tackle a plate of ham and eggs. Are you on?' To this Chesterfielding outpouring of the heart, she responded with a slow glance, which started at Buck's feet, traveled up to his face, and then returned to the purple distance down the canyon. In spite of himself, the tell-tale crimson flooded Buck's face. Far away he caught the muffled laughter of the outlaws. He replaced his hat. 
Don't make no mistake, he went on, his gesture including the bandits in the background and silent particularly. I ain't the same sort as those other fellas. I can understand the way you feel. After being herded around with a lot of tin horns like these, I'm suggesting that you take a long look at me and notice the difference between an imitation and a real man. She did look at him. She even smiled faintly, and the smile made Buck's face once more grow very hot. His voice went hard. For the last time, I'm asking you if you'll go up to the cabin. There was both wonder and contempt in her smile. In an instant, he was in his saddle. He swung far to one side and caught her in his arms. Vaguely, he heard the yell of excitement from the outlaws. All he was vividly conscious of was the white horror of her face. She fought like a wildcat. She did not cry out. She struck him full in the face with the strength of a man, almost. He prisoned her with a stronger grip, and in so doing nearly toppled from the saddle, for his horse reared up, snorting. A gun cracked twice, and two bullets hummed close to his head. From the corner of his eye, he was aware of Silent and Reinhardt flinging themselves upon Lee Haynes, who struggled furiously to fire again. He drove his spurs deep, and the cattle pony started a bucking course for the shanty. Dan, he muttered at her ear. The yells of the men drowned his voice. She managed to jerk her right arm free and struck him in the face. He shook her furiously. For whistling Dan, he said more loudly, he's dying. She went rigid in his arms. Don't speak, he panted. Don't let them know. The outlaws were running after them, laughing and waving their hats. Dan? Faint, you fool. Her eyes widened with instant comprehension. Every muscle of her body relaxed. Her head fell back. She was a lifeless burden in his arms. Buck dismounted from the saddle before the shanty. He was white, shaking, but triumphant. Reinhardt and Purvis and Jordan ran up to him. Silent and Kildoff were still struggling with Haines in the distance. Reinhardt dropped his head to listen at her breast for the heartbeat. "'She's dead,' cried Jordan. "'You're a fool,' said Buck calmly. "'She just fainted, and when she comes to, she'll begin telling me what a wonderful man I am.' "'She ain't dead,' said Reinhardt, raising his head from her heart. "'But Haines will kill you for this, Buck.' Kate cried an agonized voice from the shanty, and old white-haired Joe Cumberland ran towards them. "'Just a little accident happened to your daughter,' explained Buck. "'Never mind. I can carry her in all right. "'You fellas stay back. A crowd ain't no help. "'Ain't no cause to worry, Mr. Cumberland. She ain't hurt.' He hastened on into the shanty, and later on the bunk within. Her father hurried about to bathe her face and throat. Buck pushed the other three men out of the room. "'She ain't hurt,' he said calmly. "'She's just a little fussed up. "'Remember, I said in fifteen minutes I'd have her eaten out of my hand. "'I've still got ten minutes of that time. "'When the ten minutes is up, y'all come and take a look through that window. "'If you don't see the girl eating at that table, I'll chaw up my hat.' He crowded them through the door and shut it behind them. A cry of joy came from old Joe Cumberland, and Buck turned to see Kate sitting up on the bunk. End of chapter 30